is gold. I've never heard this term before in relation to embroidery, so I have to say I was intrigued. One thing I've learned since beginning the Stitch Safari podcast is that I love to learn, and I do regularly. In fact, I still have a lot to learn, and that's a good thing because I'm finding this expedition into Stitch history utterly fascinating and rewarding. This episode is a case in point. I can't recall that I've ever heard of or seen straw embroidery. But surprise, surprise, it's been around since the 16th or 17th century. And it's exquisite. In fact, straw has been used to decorate and embellish costume and ecclesiastical garments from the 1600s. Some sources believe that straw was used as an imitation for goldwork embroidery, hence the name Poor Man's Gold. And from the images I've seen, it's very reminiscent of goldwork embroidery. In fact, it was so popular that this was written in the European Magazine and London Review in February 1783. Straw, straw, straw. Everything is ornamented with straw from the cap to the shoe buckle. And Ceres seems to be the favourite idol with not only the female but the male of the fashionable world, for the gentlemen's waistcoats are ribbed with straw and they look as if they had amused themselves in bedlam for some time past manufacturing the flimsy doublet. Well, transport that flimsy doublet to 2023 and let's see what's transpired between those times because I was surprised to find that straw, though not quite as popular as in 1783, is still being worked with creatively. And where does straw come from? Crops. Those crops that have fed and nurtured agricultural civilizations for eons and the outcome of the harvest has been a critical component to the success of many civilizations throughout history. So straw, a byproduct of crop production, was important too. And the word for harvest comes from an old English word meaning autumn. What's amazing is the simplicity of this material, that something as fundamental as grass or straw can produce work of such extraordinary beauty and subtlety in embroidery with elegant colour gradations and shine that are used to create beautiful variations and patterning within the embroidery itself. The end result is stunning. So let's begin our adventure together, Stitch Safari listeners, amid the mysticism and ritual, wreath-making and merriment of the harvest, all once uh, celebrated to foster those good spirits for future seasons. How clever and resourceful embroiderers are. They see possibility in anything and everything, using something that was easily accessible inexpensive and plentiful. So let's embark on finding out a little bit more about the highly unusual technique of 
straw embroidery. Hello and welcome to the Stitch Safari podcast, a sprightly and upbeat expedition into the alluringly appealing ambrosial world of stitch history, art and embroidery. Each fortnight we'll trek through and discover the utilitarian, the decorative, the quirky and the just plain fun world that is the art of the needle. My name's Cathy Jack Copeland and I'm the Stitch Safari Expedition Leader. I'm an Australian textile artist, teacher, judge, blogger and stitch enthusiast whose work in contemporary machine stitch became my business. Now various cultures wove ancient mythology into tales and stories of harvest celebrations and in Great Britain by the 1500s records show that sheaves were being decorated to represent the spirit of the harvest. The harvest festival tradition in Britain is said to predate Christianity, going as far back as pagan times, but the more recent tradition of a special harvest thanksgiving in a church setting only began in Cornwall in 1843, with harvest tokens becoming quite widespread throughout the, uh, Europe by the late 1800s. In Poland, festivals celebrating the year's labour after harvest time have been celebrated since the 16th century, involving many forms of merriment, as well as old pagan traditions, ancient rituals and sacrifices to the fertility deities. Wreaths were woven in the form of a crown from the grain still left in the field and these were decorated with nuts, berries, flowers and ribbons to ensure future abundant crops and healthy offspring. What a lovely idea. So the straw from crops that have fed and sustained us over centuries and still do includes wheat, oats, barley, rye as well as rice and they were put to good use to make hats, reticules, storage containers, baskets along with a wide range of other decorative items including embroidery. This was an industry that provided employment and income to hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. Straw also became a material that was widely used in embroidery in France, Belgium, Czechoslovakia, Russia, Italy and Switzerland and one that historically did not break down over time as most uh, fabrics would. The earliest known examples of straw embroidery date from the 17th century with exquisite samples of this style of work created by around 50 nuns from the town of Nozeroy, France in the convent of the Annunciation Celestial dating from 1650. But there are other survivors as well. One is a beautiful ball gown that's part of the collection of the Wine Museum in Italy, dating from 1865. This stunning ball gown of cream-coloured silk with a cotton gauze overskirt and bodice detail features exquisite straw embroidery with pink silk floss accents adding to the design. Now, I can just imagine that colour scheme, but straw has a natural sheen, so the work exudes a unique 
golden glow, not able to be reproduced with other materials. Plus, it's also lightweight, so would not weigh down that sheer gauze base, allowing it to move and fall freely. The embroidery on the gown reflects the light. You can see it quite easily, yet the embroidery itself is delicate, yet richly ornate. Detail images of the stitching really does highlight the likeness between straw embroidery and some goldwork techniques using flat plate. And the use of various shades of pink embroidery floss just adds such a delicate detail to the overall effect of the work. If you're at all interested in viewing this outstanding example of straw embroidery, just Google the Quilt Show blog, A Dress Embroidered with Straw. Now, straw embroidery has been described as poor man's gold, and apparently to enable the straw to be worked, it has to be soaked to make it as pliable as possible. Then it's simply used the same way as any floss. Except... After a great deal of research, I discovered the straw is stitched while wet. So you have to ensure the fabric won't show watermarks or, co or cause colours to run. The softened and split straw threads were worked onto open weave fabrics using traditional hand embroidery stitches, popular in Switzerland and France in the 1800s, where plaits were couched onto velvet and other materials to make church vestments and altar frontals. And the tools needed to make and work straw embroidery include a straw splitter, dog combs, along with tapestry and cruel needles with large eyes. A number of stitches can be used in straw work, raised darning, couching and satin stitch, for instance, all offering dramatic effects. And wheat straw is deemed the shiniest to work with and different colours and sheen can be obtained depending on whether you use the inside or outside of the splint. Straw can also be dyed and one website suggested that straw can actually be spun into thread. Unfortunately, there were no images and I haven't been able to find any other sources to confirm this. Surprisingly though, there are numerous examples of straw embroidery, both contemporary and historic. I have to say though that I fell in love with a two-piece silk taffeta daydress from the late 1860s, possibly from either Italy or France. But the dress itself is a dark yet vibrant purple and the poor man's gold embroidery using straw work is the perfect contrast to the fabric itself. It just sings on that fabric. Ironically though, the embroidery depicts ears of wheat, wild oats and grasses, designs that were highly fashionable at that time and the embroidery itself is stunning. How it was worked is unknown, but conservatives know that the design was first drawn with a white pencil or crayon and the straw embroidered directly onto the silk taffeta. Not easy without damaging the silk and with no supporting fabric used underneath. There were also no watermarks on the fabric because, as we now know, the straw is worked while wet. 
Now, while this may have been considered a gentle occupation for ladies, there are indications that straw embroidery became a commercial enterprise by 1783, when the European magazine and London Review reported it as a fashion trend throughout London that spring. And that's the report I used in my opening. By the 1700s, straw embellishment evidenced its appeal, becoming uh, extremely popular uh, and a secular occupation used in fashion, uh, in pocketbooks, letter cases, fans and stomachers. Fashion dictates saw straw embroidery disappear and reappear throughout the 1800s with a final flourish in the early 1900s. Has straw embroidery disappeared? Well, not at all. Not surprisingly, major fashion houses and designers such as Dior include straw in their couture collections. Elegant, colourful and fashionable, well-known Sarah Burton of Alexander McQueen used straw in the spring-summer 2011 show. Jean-Paul Gaultier used it in 2006 and the thing is these pieces sit so elegantly and appropriately alongside embroidery from the 1850s and 60s. Just beautiful. There's also the stunning work of Belarusian fashion designers Ludmila Chakanova, who uses rye straw to embellish her clothing, along with the work of Raisa Ramanina in her peacock dress. But it's not simply the fashion industry that's devoted to straw embroidery. With a love for straw embroidery, Claire de Ward, who studied at the Royal School of Needlework, now creates wow factor embroidery for fashion shows and on commission. And when I say wow factor, I really mean it. She says this in an interview with textileartist.org. I find the materials themselves very poetic. The act of transforming something of minor value, like straw, into gold-like thread speaks loudly about the way we define luxury and beauty. Somewhere within all this, there is also a story about the importance of cloth and wheat and their relevance within anthropology, which I find really interesting. And DeWard's work is amazing, combining small Japanese beads with straw or natural raffia, with an emphasis on providing layers of interest and contrasts of texture. Influences for her include foreign textiles from Africa, Amazonia and Asia. There's enough there to provide a lifetime's food for thought. But her truly exquisite pieces of straw embroidery include tambour embroidery, beadwork and stump work and include stunning straw embroidered beetle brooches. By far one of her most amazing pieces though is entitled Straw Harlequin where small beads fit within gaps left by the dents of the straw leaves where some of the straw was dyed black and white to help create a diamond pattern forming a highly tactile piece bursting with movement and energy. Think you'd like to give straw embroidery a go? 
Well, there are very good resources, one of which is the Guild of Straw Craftsmen uh, Craftsmen's website. Just Google strawcraftsmen.co.uk. There's another brilliant US website, The Straw Shop. Just Google thestrawshop.com with an offering on artists, resources, books and tools. I visited their wheat straw page to find a variety of offerings I'd never heard of or knew existed. You can buy coloured wheat stalks in beautifully bright colours including black, bleached wheat stalks, wheat stalks ironed, ironed bleached wheat stalks, machine ironed sulphur smoked wheat stalks and something called antique threads that looks like plaited wheat lengths. Even my mind is racing with ideas about how I could incorporate these natural stalks into my own work. I'm no longer surprised that this humble yet versatile medium is still popular. At one time or another, agricultural civilizations and cultures worldwide have utilised straw and preserved cultural roots through this art form, celebrating community, the harvest and religion. But I'm still amazed at the beauty created by this simple material and the versatility of a stalk from a grain crop. I can see those possibilities through the work of fashion designers, textile artists and embroiderers such as Claire DeWard. Check out her work to see just where she's taken straw embroidery, certainly to another level. What a wonderful heritage embroidery has and has yet to look forward to. As always, thank you so much for your time. I love having you here and it's always truly appreciated. Tell your friends to tune in and subscribe and let's make 2023 the best year ever. And to all my listeners, a very sincere and happy Christmas to you all. Stitch Safari's now reached over 18.3 thousand downloads and that's all thanks to you. It's also been mentioned as one of the 20 best embroidery podcasts of 2021 by Wilp magazine, listed as one of the top shows about embroidery by Repod in 2022, recorded in the top five textile industry podcasts you must listen to in 2023 by Feedspot and listed globally in top 10% by Listen Notes. And I'm extremely grateful. Please leave a message and subscribe to the Stitch Safari podcast because there's just so much more to discover and it's all so fascinating. I do post interesting tidbits on Instagram and Facebook from time to time as well as book reviews and a blog blog on the Stitch Safari website so do head on over. Till the next exciting episode of Stitch Safari and our next inspiring adventure into stitch, embroidery and design. Bye for now. <laughs>